The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So I'll echo what uh, Hillary said. It's uh, such a practice, uh, such a joy to practice together. Maybe it's a practice to be together too, right? <laughs> As some of you know, I'm Vanna Clark, and I teach here on Monday nights. And uh, it's a pleasure to be here on a Sunday morning. Well, I, th- I think Gil is uh, teaching a retreat. I think that's uh, where he is. So... Today I thought I'd talk a little bit about this idea. Sometimes we use this word dharma. What is dharma? Like what is it? What is a dharma talk? And what is it like to follow the dharma or be with the dharma? Or like what, what is that really? And we have so many different ideas about it. Maybe each of us have our own idea. There's lots of room for maybe interpretation And part of the reason why there's room for interpretation is because this word in Pali means so many different things, and it gets used in so many different ways. And one way that isn't so common, but it's kind of meaningful for me, is this idea that dharma in Pali, this word comes from the root dur, which uh, means to hold, to support. So the dharma is something that can hold us and support us and prevent us from falling. And what does that mean, to fall? Well, maybe for each of us, we have our own idea of what that means, to fall. Fall into despair, fall into hopelessness, or just fall into not caring, or maybe for whatever it might mean for us. So the dharma is something that is support and can hold And also, of course, the Dharma is often understood as the Buddha's teachings. So something that he shared with everybody. So it's his life's work is to share the teachings. And people who sit in this seat, right, we kind of like are wanting to share the Dharma also. But also, there's also a a meaning of the Dharma is kind of like the nature of reality, that's the way things are. And part of Dharma teachings and Dharma practice is to help us become sensitive to or tuned into this way things are instead of the way that we often think they are or the concepts or the ideas that we might have or the wishes we might have or, but how they actually are. You might say is the Dharma And there's this uh, quote from the suttas that um, includes this word, tathagata. I like even to say this word, tathagata. It's a word that, uh, how the Buddha refers to himself. It's a name that he calls himself. I won't go into exactly what it means, but uh, tathagata. So this is the Buddha speaking about the Dharma. And he says, Whether there is an arising of a Tathagata or no arising of a Tathagata, so whether there's a Buddha or not, that law of nature still persists. The stableness of the Dharma, the fixed course of the Dharma, a Tathagata awakens to this 
and breaks through to it. And having done so, he explains it, teaches it, proclaims it, establishes it, discloses it, analyzes it, and elucidates it. That's why there's like 40 years of the Buddha talking, right? He has a lot of other things to do here. But this idea, this uh, concept that the Dharma is something that's already there, and the Buddha just notices it. So it's not something like he made up, it's like part of this law of nature that uh, he discovered and then shares. So in my mind, it's kind of like that uh, something like a gravity, like gravity is there, but maybe it took somebody like Sir Isaac Newton to get a little bit curious or to discover, you know, we have the story of the apple falling and Sir Isaac Newton getting curious, like, wait, why does it do that? And his understanding and his teaching. So gravity was always there. Maybe in the same way that Dharma is already there, but it takes a Buddha to first break through to it as kind of the language and then to share it. Maybe to highlight something that we already know, that we've already noticed, and yet maybe to to spring our attention to it or to analyze, elucidate, you know, all these different words, to point it out in a way that we can go, oh, yeah, right, right, yeah. And I'll say for me, the first time I heard the Dharma was entirely by accident that I um, was trained as a research scientist. I spent years in a laboratory with a white lab coat, test tubes, the whole thing, right? That was what I was going to do. And I got uh, interested in yoga, which alone was seemed to me like I didn't dare tell my friends I was doing yoga. My science friends would not have thought that was okay. You know, this was back, you know, a few decades ago. And I was a... Uh, at a yoga workshop that was over a weekend. And I remember it was called, oh, so now that just slips my mind the exact uh, language, but it was something about, uh, oh, Tibetan heart yoga. And I thought, wow, Tibet, that like, seems pretty exotic and heart. Okay, this is going to be great. I'm going to sign up for this. My life was a little bit of a mess then, and I was just looking for something that would be helpful. And so this uh, this workshop, we did a lot of, you know, postures, asana practice, what we typically think of when we think of yoga. And in the description, there said there'd be some philosophy. And I thought, oh, okay, philosophy is kind of interesting. So after we had done all these uh, postures, then uh, we were we had a little break, and then we're supposed to come back for the philosophy part. So we're all sitting in, you know, on our yoga mats in our cute little yoga outfits, you know, right? And in walks this person, which I now know was in Tibetan monastic robes, you know, red and gold and this kind of shiny stuff. I'm like, oh my goodness, Mm -mm. no, no, thank you. I did not sign up for this. I don't want any religion, thank you. No, 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 no. But I was sitting as far as possible from the door. 
and it would have been really awkward for me to get up and walk out. Otherwise, honestly, I probably would have. That was just where I was in my life. I wasn't looking for answers and religion and by some dude wearing these odd clothes. But I stayed, and he started to talk about the Four Noble Truths, and this was the first time I'd ever heard anything like this. The truth of suffering, the truth of a cause of suffering, truth of the cessation, the ending of suffering, and a way to the ending of suffering. And something in me, I don't know, resonated. And I found myself sitting there with tears going down my face. This recognition, oh yeah, there's something here. Something here. You know, never did I imagine that uh, a few decades later I'd be sitting here, right, giving a Dharma talk. But... That was how it started for me. So maybe this recognition, oh yeah, there's something there. Maybe some of you have had some of this similar experience. Maybe some of you haven't. And that's okay. right? We all find our own way here. But today I'd like to share a story that comes from the Pali Canon about somebody who also heard the Dharma and felt really touched by it and does something really unprecedented, maybe, or unheard of, or radical, and everybody gets curious about it, and asks, wow, why did you do that? And then he gives his reasons. So this is the story of Ratapala. And this story begins with, uh, as most stories do, with, that are in the Pali Canon, with a description of where the Buddha is. So the Buddha is in this town, Tulakotita, with a whole bunch of monastics. This is usually what happened, like that Buddha would travel around and give talks. So he arrives in this town, Tulakotita, and many people were uh, excited or wanted to hear. He had his reputation, was a good reputation. And so people like, oh, okay, this... Gotama is here. Let's go listen to him talk. Let's see what all the hubbub is about. And so Ratapala went to go hear the Buddha talk. So Ratapala was the son of a very wealthy and influential family in this town, Tulakotita. His family was maybe one of the most well-known and influential, and they had a relationship with the king, you know, this kind of a family. So the son goes to hear the Buddha speak, and he was so inspired by what he heard the Buddha say, he decides, this is going to be my life calling. This is what I'm going to do. So after the end of the speaking, he goes up to the Buddha and says, I want to ordain. I want to become a monastic and devote my life to this. I was so touched by your teachings. There's something inside me that knows this is what I want to do. And the Buddha said, well, 
do you have your parents' permission? And he says, no, but don't worry. I'll go back, get their permission, I'll come back. And then I'll ordain. And the Buddha says, okay. So Ratapala goes back to his family and says, I just heard this talk and I'd like to ordain. And his parents are like, nope, no, no, no. And they gave him a number of reasons for this. And the first one is, you have been raised in comfort, brought up in comfort. You know nothing of suffering. In my mind, maybe Ratapala had told them about the Four Noble Truths and how it really spoke to him. You know, We don't actually know what the teaching was that the Buddha gave. But we can imagine his parents saying, you can't handle it. You don't even know what suffering is. You've been sequestered in this simple life this, you've, with a family so wealthy. And then they also said to him, you can be happy pursuing sensual pleasures. Just stay here. Anything you want, we can give to you. Maybe Ratapala probably had been growing up with nothing but sensual pleasures and didn't think that that was going to be the answer. So they give him a third reason and say, you are our only child, dear and beloved. When you die, we will lose you against our wishes. So how can we allow you to go forth while you're still alive? To go forth is an expression to ordain. So to ordain means that he would go and follow the Buddha or be with the Buddhas. He would leave his family. He would have like a completely different relationship with his family once he become a monastic. And there's like, you're our only son. How can you do that? No. But Ratapola, something inside of him felt like, no, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do with my life. It's, It's meaningful for me. His parents said no, but he really wanted to. So he just said, he went on a hunger strike. I'm not going to eat until you let me ordain. And in my mind, the Buddha's, the parents are going like, okay, we'll just wait him out. We're, we're, he's so used to having fantastic food and anything he wants. He's not going to like, we'll see, give him a little taste of this suffering. But of course it doesn't work. And he's getting weaker and weaker. So Ratapala's parents go to Ratapala's friends and say, can you talk some sense into him? So Ratapala's friends go to talk to him and say, well, you don't need to ordain. Why just stay with your family, with this life that you have? Ratapala said, nope, this is what I want to do. This is what's meaningful for my life. This just makes sense for me. So Ratapala's friends go back to his parents and say, well, maybe you can let him ordain. And he can come back and he can still see you. It's not like you'll lose him completely, but if he continues not eating, he's going to die and you will lose him completely. And maybe he won't enjoy being a monastic. Maybe he'll ordain and discover how difficult it is disrobe and come back and just get it out of his system. 
or maybe he won't maybe those are the two main reasons you can see him afterwards and he might not enjoy it so just let him ordain so Ratapala ordains and he follows the Buddha and he does the Buddha's teachings and not long after he becomes awakened so happily ever after right but that's not the end of the story because at one time the Buddha and his monastics they come back to this town Tulakutita and there's a number of things that happen but I'm going to focus on one portion of this so the king hears that the Buddha is back in town and that uh, Ratapala is there is now as one of the monastics And the king had heard this story that the son, the only son of one of the most prominent people in town had chosen to ordain. And the king was kind of curious. Why? Why would this young man who had everything ordain? The king wants to know. So the the king gets notified that Ratapala is out meditating in a park. And this was common at that time, like, you know, under a tree or something like this in a protected area. So the king goes up to him and uh, the king offers to Ratapala, here's a sitting mat, would you like to sit on this? And Ratapala says, no, I'm actually comfortable. Would you like to join me? You can sit with me. So this is pretty unheard of. Like the king is like is teaching or um, showing respect to Ratapala, this young man. But this king had such respect for the monastics and really wanted to talk to Ratapala. So he teaches, he teaches, he speaks to him with such respect. And Ratapala also offers him respect and says, "Why don't you sit with me?" So here's these two people sitting. And the king says to him, to Ratapala, what did you know or see or hear that made you ordain? This flat out asks him. And Ratapala replies, great king, the blessed one, blessed one is how monastic addresses the Buddha, how they refer to the Buddha, so the blessed one. Great king, the blessed one who knows and sees, the perfected one, the fully awakened Buddha, has taught four summaries of the Dharma. And it was after a knowing and seeing and hearing these that I went forth from the lay life to homelessness. That expression, from lay life to homelessness, means to ordain. So, Ratapala is saying he heard four summaries of the Dharma. And that's what touched him so much and inspired him to go forth, to forsake his family, abandon everything, and uh, go ordain. So you can naturally imagine what the king asks. Well, what are these four summaries of the Dharma? And Ratapala was a really skilled teacher. And so... He spoke to the king in a way that the king could understand, in the way that the king could relate to. So he doesn't give the king a lecture. 
He speaks to the king in ways that the king could understand, like using examples that are relevant to the king's life. And he asks questions to the king. So it's more like a dialogue that they're having rather than here, let me preach to you or something like that. We can imagine that this is something that a king would appreciate. And I'll say in the Buddhist teachings in the Pali Canon that uh, practitioners, people like us, are often referred to as royalty also. Like there's something, some dignity or some uh, royalty within us. I, I appreciate this, this recognition that we, all of us, have our own dignity, whomever we are, whatever our life is. There's some part of us that's royalty as well. So I like to imagine that as Ratapala is talking to this king, maybe he's talking to us. So, the Retapala gives the first summary of the Dharma. The world is unstable and swept away. The king asks for clarification. What does that mean? The world is unstable and swept away. So here's Retapala's response. What do you think, great king? When you were 20 or 25 years of age, were you proficient at riding elephants, horses, and chariots, and at archery? Were you strong and capable? I was, Master Ratapala. Sometimes it seems as if I had superpowers then. I don't see anyone who could have equaled me in strength. Well, what do you think, great king? These days... Are you just as strong and capable? No, Master Ratapala. For now I am old, elderly, and senior. Sometimes I intend to step in one place, but my foot goes somewhere else. This is what the Buddha was referring to when he said, the world is unstable and swept away. So Ratapala is pointing out what the king already knows, that aging happens. And some proficiencies and capabilities and strengths that we had when we were younger, you know, that goes away. We all know this. And I'm sure the king recognized that. But maybe he hadn't thought about it before. Things are unstable. And I like how the king gives this example that's explicitly about being unstable, right? That uh, he tends his foot to step one way, but it goes another. Maybe even trips or slips or something. The second summary that uh, Ratapala says, the world has no shelter and no savior. And the king asks for a clarification. What does that mean? And Ratapala says, as an example, asks the question. In this royal court, oh, I'm sorry. The king is saying this to Ratapala. In this royal court, you can find divisions of elephants, cavalry, chariots, and infantry. So that for them was their military, their entire military. And they will serve to defend us from any threats. Yet you said there is no shelter and no savior. How should I understand the meaning of this? And Ratapala responds, what do you think? 
Great King, do you have any chronic ailments? Yes. Sometimes my friends and colleagues, relatives and family members surround me thinking, the king's going to die. And Retapala says, well, what do you think? Great king, can you get your friends and colleagues, relatives and family members to help? Can you say to them, please, my dear friends and colleagues, relatives and family members, all of you, can you like share my pain? Can you take some of it so that I don't feel it? These chronic ailments. No, I can't get my friends to share my pain. Rather, I alone must feel it. Paul says, well, this is what the Buddha is referring to when he said, the world has no shelter and no savior. So often we have this idea that something out there is going to make us feel better. Other people, other things. But it's pointing to like, no, there are difficulties that we cannot run away from. There are difficulties that nobody can take away from us that, that we alone have to be with. Nobody else, even though we want them to, and we so much there's uh, industries that are trying to think, oh, as long as you just do this or buy that or do this other thing, then somehow all your difficulties will go away. So the king has surrounded himself with these tools of warfare, thinking that that will protect him. But, you know, in modern day, we might have, well, what do we surround ourselves with that we think is going to protect us from experiencing difficulties, feeling difficulties, some of these things that actually can't go away? I know, like, there's this whole industry, like, oh, no, you can feel younger, just take this. You can look younger, just do this. Right? You know, that's some of the what we hear. But there's nobody that can protect us from sicknesses completely, aging completely, chronic ailments completely, right? They just, they happen. That was the second summary of the Dharma. The third summary of the Dharma is Retapala says, the world has no owner. You must leave it all behind and pass on. And the king asks for clarification. What do you mean? In this royal court, you can find abundant gold coin and bullion stored in dungeons and towers. And yet, you said the world has no owner. You must leave it all behind and pass on. How should I understand that? And Retapala says, well, what do you think, great king? These days, you amuse yourself, supplied and provided with the five kinds of sensual stimulation. Five kinds, seeing, hearing, tasting, touching, smelling. But is there any way to ensure that in the next life, so after death, that you will continue to amuse yourself in the same way? Can you guarantee that after death you will still be able to have this, whatever makes you feel good? Or will others make use of Everything, all this gold and bullion, all these things that you think are going to make you feel good after you die, you're not necessarily going to feel good. Others are going to have that. They're going to have whatever the objects were or whatever the equivalent of 
gold bullion is for us today. So he'll have to leave behind all his possessions. Everything. Not only possessions, but in the next life, will we be able to amuse ourselves with sight, searing, seeing, smelling, tasting, touching, smelling? We don't know. Nobody knows. So the king maybe was doing all this hoarding, right? He talked about how much gold he had in the dungeons and towers. There's a way in which we kind of like accumulate things thinking that this is going to protect us or make us happy. But there's a part of us that knows that's not the case. So then the fourth summary of the Dharma. The world is wanting, insatiable, the slave of craving. And the king asked for clarification, how should I understand the meaning of this? Ratapala responds, well, what do you think, great king? Do you dwell in the prosperous land of Kuru? That was the country in which they were. I do. So what do you think? Suppose a trustworthy and reliable person were to come from the east. They would approach you and say, Dear sir, you should know this. I come from the east and there is this large country that is successful and prosperous and full of people. And they have many elephants, cavalry, chariots, and infantry. And there's lots of money and grain and you could easily conquer it. And you should conquer it. And then Ratapala asks, what would you do if somebody said that to you? And the king replies, I would go and conquer it and get all the, all that, you know, their warfare and their people and their grain and wealth. And, and then Ratapala continues, well, suppose a trustworthy and reliable person were to come from the West and were to say to you, there's this large country that is successful and has all this army and people and wealth and you could easily conquer it, what would you do? And the king says, well, I would go to the west and conquer that one. And you know where this story is going, right? And then if somebody comes from the north and says this, oh, I would conquer that too. Somebody comes from the south and says this, oh, I'd conquer that too. So it's pointing to like the king just it wants anything and everything that he feels like he can get. And then Ratapala says, well, this is what the Buddha was referring to when he said the world is insatiable, the slave of craving. Insatiable. And it was after knowing and seeing and hearing this that I went forth from the lay life to homelessness. It was after understanding these four things that I ordained. And the king says, Wow, it's incredible, Master Rettapala. It's amazing how well said this was by the Buddha. For the, indeed, the world is wanting, insatiable, the slave of craving. And then the king simply got up and left. He didn't show that 
respect to Ratapali, didn't show his appreciation. But in my mind, we can see that he's a little bit troubled and like, oh, this is not what I expected. And just goes off to think about this. And other versions of this story that are preserved in the Agamas, if that means anything to anybody, that uh, the king pays a lot of respect to Ratapala and recognizes, oh, maybe the king himself had recognized that there was some truth to what was being said. So Ratapala, he's pointing out that none of the things that the king believes are going to be sources of lasting happiness actually aren't sources of lasting happiness. And I would say for us, there's a way in which we know this, that we recognize this. These things that we are keep on chasing and thinking they're going to keep us safe, keep us happy. Youth, beauty, wealth, objects, experiences, they aren't a protection from what life brings. They certainly enhance life. And by no means should we like deny ourselves and say they're awful and never pursue them. But it's a trap if we think that that's what's going to make us happy, if that's what's going to make our life worthwhile, if that's what's going to bring meaning to our lives. And maybe that's something when we hear like there is suffering, there is a cause for suffering, there can be an ending of suffering, and there's a path to the ending of suffering. Maybe that's what's being pointed to, these four summaries of the Dharma. Maybe the changing nature of the world, the absence of any real shelter, from what life brings us, the fact that all has to be left behind at death, and then this insatiability of craving is one way we might understand the Dharma, what's being pointed to with the Dharma. So thank you for your practice and for your attention. And I'll stay up here if anybody has any questions. Thank you.